You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Hope you enjoyed the bank holiday weekend. And if you had the chance to visit Saver Kilkenny or perhaps the Burren Food Fair or even another food event, I'd love to hear from you and uh, find out how you got on. To get in touch, you can email me, s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, short for organisation. As promised last week, Karen Coakley from Kenmare Foodies is on the show tonight with her regular slot about what's happening in County Kerry. My sister-in-law, Siobhan Noonan, reviews Nevin Maguire's latest book, The Nation's Favourite Food Fast. And Siobhan will also be telling me about how she got on whenever she visited Nevin's McNean House for birthday celebrations a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to find out what it's really like up there. I have a clip from the Bloss Nairn Awards in Dingle when I met Dr Joe Carey from UCC who explained what goes on behind the scenes and towards the end of the show I'll be talking to Helen McDade of Fulcher Ireland. Lots to get through so let's get moving and uh, let's welcome Karen Coakley of Kenmare Foodies to the show tonight. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Karen, thanks for coming all the way from Kenmare once again to give us a bit of information about what's happening in Kerry. And as always, you have lots of news for us this week and you're going to start with the Kerry market. I do, Sharon. Um, there's a great uh, upsurge in uh, local food markets in Kerry. Um, there's one in Kenmare, which is my local town on Wednesday. There's markets happening every weekend and I just think they're a great thing for a family to do. For me personally, I think it's how my children got so much into food because they were dragged around to markets when they were small and we used to go to the market in Kenmare and I have twins and when they were in the buggy two and a half and three they used to be shouting for lollies and people would look at them and presume it was lollipops but it was actually olives so they would walk around or like I'd push them around in the pushchairs with their little bags of olives and people would always comment on you know the fact they were eating this but because they had this food at such an early age we don't really have food issues they have things that they don't like or that they don't eat but that's allowed because you know they eat everything so um, I was at my local market last Wednesday just for a look around the sun was shining and there stood a few tourists around Khmer and we have a fabulous selection there there's the real olive company um, they're selling olives artichokes uh, garlic you know the, the, the elephant garlic not the elephant garlic but the purple garlic and the you can buy the full what's on it a, called on the vine on the vine kind of thing and that will last for a few months once you have it um, they have butter bean salad they have my little guys love the anchovies they're anchovy fillets the marinated anchovy fillets and then they also sell Toonsbridge products now I don't know if you're aware of Toonsbridge if you've come across it I was talking to somebody a while ago a chef who hadn't actually heard of them yet but they're one of my new well not new they're they're there a few years but they're just I think they're fantastic basically Toonsbridge is based just outside McCroom they have a farm shop and a cafe now I think that's when they open at the weekends but basically their production began um, I think in 2011 when Toby Simmons and his neighbour Toby is the guy who owns the Real Olive Company and he has a neighbour Johnny Lynch and they got chatting late one evening I think it was St. Patrick's night back in 2009 and they wanted to see if they could use Johnny's cow to make cheese for Toby to sell at his stall at the markets so I think a few days later Johnny saw a video of water buffalo which were being reared in England and they were producing our you know products from the buffalo milk in England and he went over to check it out and they haven't looked back since their first young buffalo arrived on the farm in September 2009 they then set about learning how to make buffalo mozzarella which involved building a cheese room numerous trips to Italy and then they also had to bring in the specialist equipment for making the mozzarella Um, in 2010 they did a two week stint making mozzarella in Italy and then they began production here after that This year, the big step for them is that they have a fourth-generation Italian buffalo mozzarella cheesemaker from Italy working for them. And he's seen the development of lots of other cheeses from buffalo ricotta to buffalo blue to scamorza. Excuse my Italian accent. And then one that I actually got in Canmere last week. I was very intrigued by this. It's Caccio Cavallo. And uh, what it is... That's very impressive, Karen. Is that very impressive? Okay. um, But basically, it's, um, it's a cheese... I don't know, is it Italian or is it Greek now? But um, it's hay-smoked, so it's got quite a rubbery texture. Now, my son saw me eating it, and he's a teenager, and he looked at me, he said, Mom, why are you eating a raw potato? And I was like, it's not a raw potato, it's actually cheese. There's a really fresh, 
smoked flavour. I mean, it's different to what you might get off smoked salmon or anything that's synthetically smoked. It tastes of smoke, which goes really well with the, the kind of the texture of the cheese and everything. This I love, but they do ricotta. Have I mentioned that already? Ricotta is one that they do, and they have a they have a blue, a buffalo blue, all made from buffalo milk. So the ricotta, I use it in my spinach and ricotta cannelloni, and then the mozzarella when I get it, I just make a simple insalata caprese where you slice your mozzarella, slice your tomatoes, sprinkle over loads of fresh torn basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and off you go. Beautiful summer salad. I have had the Tunbridge, um, the Tunsbridge mozzarella, and it is delicious. I've never had the blue version, and I'd be very interested in trying that. It's not a blue mozzarella. It's actually a blue, like a hard blue cheese. I it's see. like a, it's okay. like a blue blue, like a blue cheese, but instead of being made with cow's milk, it's made with buffalo. All of the cheeses are made with buffalo, and they had butter as well. They had buffalo butter. You will notice the difference in taste between the buffalo cheeses and milk cheeses. Now, it's not as distinctive as the difference between a goat's cheese and a cow's cheese, but there is a difference there. Stronger in flavour. So are those products available? They're available nationwide? They're available nationwide because they're on um, the Real Olive Company stall. They sell them. And as far as I know at this stage now, I think they're nearly at most markets around the country. They have a stall there. I mean, it's something that started in West Cork back in the 1990s and has just mushroomed for them. It's very, very, very good. All right. So, so that's Tunsbridge. That's Tunsbridge. But also, just to get back to the the market in Kimmer, and I'm sure this is the you know the same at other markets around County Kerry. There's um, Olivier. He's on the wild side, and he's based in Dingle, and he is a stall. And what Olivier does is he cures and smokes his own fish and meat. And he's French. Don't know how long he's living here. Great character um, from Dingle. Um, so he has less his smoked mackerel, like the full mackerel smoked there. Beautiful. And again just fresh smoked flavour. He does smoked salmon pâtés. He does roulette. I love roulette. If anybody goes to France on their holidays, roulette is just one of those most beautiful things. You spread it on crusty bread and it's just, it's gorgeous. And he does pâtés and also makes his own chorizos and salamis and they're beautiful, really, really good. And the fact that they're local and that they're made in Kerry makes it all the better for me. And then there's another girl um, from around the Camaria called Sabine. She grows her own veg and she's got a gorgeous little stall at our market in Kinmare. And she has, last week, she had butternut squash. Everything is seasonal and she had the most beautiful, beautiful, like small, purple, shiny, bright purple aubergines and her own courgettes. So I got those, brought them home, chopped them up with red pepper and red onion into the oven with salt and pepper, roasted them and then made a quiche with some goat's cheese and uh, the roast veg quiche, which is absolutely beautiful. So that I think that's it. There's just a big shout out for all the fabulous markets that are on in Kerry every week. Olivier, the wild side, is definitely in the milk market on a Saturday. Very he good. Has a, he has a pitch there, so yes, he has lovely things, as you and say. And if you meet him, you won't forget him. He's, no. he's larger than life. His yeah. personality is, yeah. Yeah, he's a great stall there. Next, now, we're going to talk about a masterclass. Yes. Masterclass is at the Riverside Hotel in Killarney with Cyril Durand. Now, again, Cyril is French. <laughs> I seem to be bringing a lot of French people to the table these last two weeks. But um, Cyril lived in Donegal for a few years and then he made his way down to Kerry. And it was funny lately because he had, I think he had one of his kids, a photograph of one of his kids when Kerry were playing Donegal. And one of them was wearing a Kerry jersey and the other was wearing a Donegal jersey. But Cyril as well is a, a lovely, lovely man. So he's the head chef in the Riverside Hotel. And he's doing a series of masterclasses between now and Christmas. He has one for Halloween, which is around now. And I think I think we might have missed that. Uh, but he's going to do one again before Christmas around the 17th of December on Christmas entertaining and things like that. I was invited to one of his masterclasses back in the spring. So I brought my husband with me, not sure what to expect. Arrived at the hotel, uh, sat in the bar with, I think there was maybe 10 of us in total, 10 or 12 in total. And we all sat around, had a welcome drink. And then Cyril came and spoke to us. So what happened was we were all split up. So Vincent was put doing starters. I was put on main courses. So your partner, you brought somebody with you and then you, you were split up. So while Vincent was taken into the kitchen to work on the starters with the other people who were doing the starters, those of us that were doing the main courses, we sat down and we enjoyed a glass of wine. So when they had their starter finished, we then had to go and sit down in the restaurant where they all marched out with their starters. They served us the starters. Then we all sat down together and we ate. Then we went off and we did our main courses while they waited for us in the kitchen, hands on, 
oh sorry no we all did the main courses together which was brilliant that was good fun then we all sat down together and at the main courses and then those of us who hadn't done the starters went off to do desserts so Vincent had to wait for me while we did a chocolate fondant which is fabulous and I've heard since that Cyril's chocolate fondants are legendary in Kerry so um, then after the dessert again we all sat down and we ate the dessert now Cyril is charging 50 euro for these I think he said to me that on these nights he's going to do it'll be a four course meal and a glass of wine which is what you will get but you it's a great night out I can't recommend it enough because I'm thinking of bringing a few friends of mine getting a group together and going over and there's going to be a special rate that the hotel are going to do and the details for that will be up on the hotel website which is um, riversidehotelkillarney.com that will be up there in the next few weeks but it's just it's a great you're in the kitchen you're hands on you have Cyril showing you what to do you've another chef showing you what to do you're kind of split up into your groups and it's a great 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 night well worth the money does it not take an awfully long time well, like what, what was the starter? What was the main course? And you said the dessert was chocolate fondant. The scallops were starters. Um, and so that's quite, that's that's quite, quite easy. A quick, quite a quick, quick yeah. easy thing to do. But I think what amazed all of us that were there, I mean, was that, you know, there was people there with their partners. There was somebody else there with her best friend. And when Vincent brought out his scallops, I was like, whoa, did you really do this? Because it was the presentation. It was like it was like five-star hotel presentation. Beautiful, elegant. And you see Cyril shows you how to do all of that. Uh, then the main courses, let's say you were brought into the kitchen. Vincent was put on fish with Cyril and I was put on f- uh, meat with somebody else. But you were shown how to pin bone the fish and, you know, the very, very basics. And then you had to cook it off. And I know Vincent at one stage was put making a whole grain mustard with mortar and pestle which for you know us it was I'd never done that I'd never made my own you know so we were allowed you know little jars of that to bring home with us and everything and then the desserts the chocolate fondant and you just learned so much from him in the I think maybe it was two and a half three hours in total but it was a real really good experience and you're getting your dinner okay you have to cook it but you're learning new school skills getting new skills you are and um, I will have photographs of that I've got fabulous photographs and I will have those up on the blog kinmarefoodies.com in the next few days so we've time to talk about one more thing very quickly and it's the Chef Gerard Cafe in Castle Island Chef Gerard Cafe in Castle Island. Yes, I found this last winter when I was over and back. My teenager was training with Unraked, so I strap him to Unraked and head into Castle Island. And it's a cosy little cafe on the main street beside Brown's Bar, opposite the uh, Bank of Ireland, but further down on the left-hand side. And they just have a gorgeous menu there, ranging from soups to there's a lamb tagine, there's quiches, like really nice quiches there's a thai curry and a well-stocked salad bar and what I like about it is the salads are very very different there's like a chicken noodle salad there's couscous salad tomato and feta salad artichoke and butternut squash quinoa and beetroot and then he has a selection of homemade hummus and tapenade for sale as well then they stock a great range of jams chutneys dressings and teas and I was delighted to see that they stocked fentimans are you aware of fentimans fentimans oh my god fentimans do a range of um, drinks, soft drinks. So they have um, ginger beer, which I'm addicted to, and it's gorgeous because it's like quite spicy. Bundaberg do a ginger beer as well, which is sweet, but this one is spicy, kind of gives you a little burn on the lips. It's gorgeous. They do a dandelion and burdock drink and curiosity cola, and the curiosity cola is beautiful. They're just, to me, they're like a healthy alternative, more natural alternative to a fizzy drink, and I love those. So these guys are stocking those. They also, Fentimans, have a tonic water, which is fabulous in gin and a slice of cucumber with the tonic in the gin. Um, but back to um, Chef Gerard, they also have their very own popular granola that they make there. And he said he started off selling the granola in Galway at markets. And when he moved back to can, or back to Kerry, he brought the granola with him. So he's bagging that and selling that in there. Um, he returned back to Castle Island after working overseas for 20 years. He's worked in places like the G Hotel in Galway, Delphi Resort, and he opened on uh, December the 8th, two years ago. So that's just a good little place if you're looking, driving through Castle Island. Because, of course, Castle Island is bypass now, so a lot of people might not be, be stopping off in it, but... It well, is a nice, well, for the a ladies, nice time for a bit of shopping. And there's a great selection of uh, clothes shops there, yeah, so yeah, not as good as Newcastle West, but it is. Good. Yeah, there's a great selection here as well, actually. There is. Yeah. There is. <laughs> 
Now we're out of time, so we shall catch up again with you next month. Thanks so much for coming in. In the meantime, if people want to keep track of your foodie adventure, it's kenmerfoodies.com. All the blog info's up there, and you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook. Karen, we'll talk again next month. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Thanks to Karen for sharing her news with us. And if you've anything specifically in Kerry that you'd like Karen to report on, definitely make contact with her or you can email me, s.nun at live.ie and I will pass the details on to Karen. Still to come tonight, Siobhan Noonan will be here to review Nevin Maguire's latest cookery book, The Nation's Favourite Food Fast. And I'll also be asking Siobhan what she thought of Nevin's McNean House in Black Lion, County Cavan, as she was lucky enough to stay there a couple of years ago. Next, though, it's back to Dingle, when I was there for the Blossom Aaron Food Awards, which are on annually as part of the Dingle Food Festival. Regular listeners will have heard me talking to the awards founder and chair, Ardy Clifford, about what the awards involve. Another member of the committee is Dr Joe Carey from University College Cork and his team and the students at the university have a critical role to play in the awards process and I asked him about it whenever I met him. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Joe Carey from University College Cork. You are coordinating all the activity behind the scenes here today at the Blossom Aaron Awards to make sure that the food goes out the way that those producers want it to go out. That's right. Um, uh, my own team from uh, from the food packaging group in the School of Food Nutrition and Sciences, uh, we, we have spent three weeks prior to this busily working through all of the hundreds and thousands of products that came into us to finally get the selection narrowed down to the top seven or eight in every category and this week now that we've reached the finals uh, the whole idea is to try and um, and uh, to try and make sure that those top seven are prepped properly that are handled properly that are presented to the to our chefs uh, correctly and that they're brought out ultimately to the to the main or to our main judges or ultimate uh, judges here uh, for the finals. So just to clarify the process, I'm a producer of mm-hmm. bread for example and I have delivered it down to University College Cork with hundreds of other breads there yeah. and do a number of people taste all those breads and decide these are the top seven breads? Well actually do you know maybe one of the things might be not to use bread because that's the one category we don't do. Uh, any of the other categories we actually do. There's a there's the, the bakery uh, institute or the institute of baking in Kildare look after all the breads so apparently bread is uh, the sensory properties of bread can be judged on its cutting and handling. Okay. <laughs> I'm reliably informed. <laughs> for all of the other categories, we're responsible for all the other categories. Okay. So, um, like, say, for example, it was ready meals. So, like, the ready meal category, what we would actually do is that we might be presented with about 80 to 100 different ready meals uh, at the initial stage, the first stage uh, of judging. And our job, basically, uh, in UCC is to organise sensory teams that will go through every single one of the 80 products, rank them. We're not trying to pick winners here. It's mainly separating the really good from, unfortunately, the very poor. Uh, And once we've done that and they're ranked, then it's really up to the BLAS committee, and I'm I'm an academic director on, uh, uh, on that committee, we make the decision at that point as to how many products we actually want going through into the finals. This year it was five to six, last year it was six to seven. It changes in different years. Um, and once, once it's been highlighted to the producers who maybe are in that top five or six products, they're written to and invited to bring their products along for the final. And the final is held here in Dingle uh, every year. And then the process here is that a, more than one person actually tastes each product and they score it. That's right. The way that it's actually set up is that we have uh, double tables. Uh, so if you like, we've got 10 or 11 judges 
that uh, will actually taste the product even though they're all sitting at different tables so the reason for that and the reason we have a different that we have a, a different judge uh, sitting at a different table um, tasting the same product means that nobody else on the table can bias the actual result um, and so therefore they can talk and they can have a great time and they can even sh share food samples but there's no bias introduced into the judging uh, system. Is that a different system compared to previous years? Uh, this was actually rolled out about three years ago uh, and it's worked really well. I mean, we, I suppose every year we learn in this process and we try to evolve it and take things on board that actually maybe need to be improved for the following year. And uh, this was one of them which we, we found in the first couple of years we really just couldn't stop people talking to one another when they were all tasting the same product at the same table. Uh, they, you know, they might pass remarks of, oh, this is nice, or people turn their face up at a particular product that they had, and maybe other people would read something into that. So after giving out to them for years, <laughs> we just simply said, maybe there's an easier way to do this and allow everybody to still have a good time to talk, to talk about food, to taste one another's food. And so the system that was developed was just to, to have each judge on a table tasting a different product from a different category. Is there a reason why the college gets involved in this from, from a teaching perspective for the students? Well, I mean, uh, University College Cork uh, is the oldest institution on the island of Ireland that has dealt with food. And I know there's been a lot of other universities and colleges that actually have have followed it in our own footsteps and got involved in the food area but we're very proud of our food heritage in, in, in Cork and in UCC and indeed an awful lot of the people teaching food science in other universities and institutes are actually former UCC students themselves so uh, I mean um, a reason why we'd actually be here is that it brings an awful lot of the talents that we try to instill in our own students in terms of understanding all about food quality, food safety, proper handling, quality standards, and in particular, having a lot of appreciation around how a product is actually packed and how it ultimately tastes to somebody when they actually open that pack. And that shouldn't be somebody who's a celebrity chef or, or anyone like that. That's for commoner Joe who walks actually into a supermarket and is able to take a product off, off the shelf and takes it home they've actually voted with their wallet and they deserve to have a vo their voice heard in terms of what they think about the food products that we present to people en masse in Ireland What have you found today? What's your top product today? Oh now you're really putting me up against it. Uh, I saw, uh, well I'm particularly, uh, if you, you can't see me, but if you, 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 you can, and you know I don't need chocolate <laughs> looking at me, but I saw a chocolate coming through that I would have been quite happy to take the plate and go and sit in the corner for the rest of the day. I'm disgusted to hear that they told me there was no chocolate. Oh there was. <laughs> <laughs> there was. <laughs> well, I hope now I must go and hunt some yeah, of that hunt, down, hunt down and, some and get a taste yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Joe, thanks for talking no to problem. me. Thanks a million. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley, who had lots of Kerry news for us. And just before the break, I had a clip from the Dingle Blossnaren Food Awards featuring Joe Kerry of UCC, who explained the role that the university plays in the awards. Never fear if you've missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous 2014 shows. You can find that podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. The dash has been the little dash symbols.
Still to come tonight, we will be talking to Helen McDiad from Fulcher, Ireland. But next, it's time to invite the sister-in-law, Siobhan Noonan, to come into the studio to find out what she thinks of Nevin Maguire's latest cookbook and what she thought of his place in Black Lion, County Cavan, namely McNean House. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Siobhan, thanks so much for coming in. And you are going to tell me all about, first of all, you're going to talk about Nevin's book, Nevin Maguire's new book, which is called The Nation's Favourite Food Fast. But also, you have been lucky enough to actually spend a night or two up in McNean House. Yes, very lucky on, on both counts. Um, I'll start off with the book. Um, I got the book off you, Sharon, last week and was delighted because I'm just such a hound for new cookery books. And it's laid out really, really nicely. And I suppose the first thing to say is he writes a lovely foreword about everybody that he works with and all the help that he gets. And the dedication is to Eileen, his wonderful mother-in-law, who is a whiz kid in the kitchen. Thank you for all your love and kindness to me and the twins. You're a star. And I just thought that was just lovely, lovely note to start on. Um, He has it divided into about 20 sections, one on um, soups, starters, salads. Then he goes on to the beef, chicken and so on and so forth. And each section has only five recipes in it. So... And he says that each one will take you 30 minutes. Um, I did two of them at the weekend. I did um, a lovely um, sweet potato and coconut soup with ham. And um, it was supposed to be a peach tart tatan, but I did a pear. They both definitely came in well under the 30 minutes, you know, from start to finish. And were extremely easy. It's very nicely laid out. And it's the sort of a book, I think, if I had visitors coming, you know, if I found out at three o'clock I had somebody coming at five for dinner, I would pull out this book and say, I'll find something quick and very tasty to do in it. And I have a few very nice recipes picked out that I'm going to try next. So I'll be holding on to the book for an extra week or two. That's okay. As, long, as long as I'm on the receiving oh, end I'm of definitely, some of those dishes. Definitely. He's got um, crispy buttermilk chicken with celeriac coleslaw it's just lovely lovely things and peanut butter cupcakes with salted caramel frosting and there's just it sounds delicious and as I say everything there was no difficult to find ingredients in any of the recipes that I was looking at and I think he's going I think this book is going to be a really big seller for him it, it kind of hits my age group and you know just that sort of after after work cooking or Saturday evening when you want something very quick and tasty well there's a hundred recipes in mm. it in total which is quite a lot as you say I've also found it very well laid out mm. the way that he separates them yeah and I think just the, the fact that there's only five in each one you know that there's five recipes for a nice um, like a, a nice takeaway recipes five recipes for vegetable side dishes everything just has five so that if you just can't say right I really feel like chicken there's just five very simple recipes there um, to pick from that you're not overwhelmed and this, but at the same time you have a nice amount of choice and there's a children's section as well there is a huge and a, family man now with the there is and huge and a lovely lunchbox section and um, he doesn't use a terribly a terrible amount of spicing that there are I'd say most 90% of the recipes that are in it you can every, everybody can sit down and eat the same meal and you can spice it up for the adults and have it a little bit more um, less spicy for the children but that everybody is basically sitting around having a family dinner together which I know he's very very pro and um, which I think is a lovely idea I think everybody should be sitting down as often as they can to eat together and this is a great book for people that just they want a bit of help it's a perfect book oh very much it's very much geared towards um, I suppose your average cook Who's not? Who doesn't want to be spending all their time dicing and slicing and checking things in the oven? Um, and it's very straightforward. You know, anything that any of them that I have read, anybody, I say even my my dad, who is a notorious non-cooker, if you can read, you can follow these recipes. Like as it says in the book, fast, easy, nice recipes that you can sit down and have a dinner with your family. Do you have a few of his other books? I have. I have. Um, I have food from the sun. I would say I have most of them actually between or you know between us all we have them all. Um, it, I love his food from the sun book actually. It really is a very sunshiny filled book with loads of Mediter- Mediterranean style food and recipes. 
Um, I have the nation's favorite food and I have the McNeen cookbook. Now that really is, that's high end. I just look at the pictures and that and wouldn't, I would need to set a Saturday aside to work my way through one of those recipes because it's very, um, oh, it's not complicated, but they're complex and you would need to be reading correctly and, and following the steps. Whereas with this, even say the fact that I did, it said a peach tart to town. I couldn't find peaches in Newcastle West, whatever was going on. I did a pear that you can swap anything that he has in it. You can swap around your ingredients very quickly because there aren't a huge list of ingredients or complicated processes to go through. Well, you mentioned the McLean cookbook and you've mm. actually been up in Black Lion in County Cavan. It was a number of years ago now. It doesn't seem that yeah, long ago I think it was about me. two, about, about two years ago. Um, there was a significant birthday in the family, not mine. And it was my sister's and she'd be, that was her, she really, that's all she wanted to do was go up to Cavan. So um, ourselves and another friend went up. I suppose the, the first thing, we were very lucky to get a booking um, because we wanted to stay with him and we wanted to stay the two nights. And I remember ringing in February for a booking in September and we I rang and rang and rang and rang all day and finally got through and met this lovely girl and went through a very complicated process of you know all the names and addresses and everything and then she said can I have your credit card number out please and I said I'm out walking the dog and I had to ring her back like the next day but they were lovely about it um we kind of had this notion beforehand that McNean House would be kind of nearly like um, the mustard seed and that you would be kind of driving up a lovely avenue and to be very, um, I suppose, country house. And we had been warned, this looks like a pub on the side of the road. And you literally are driving through this little village and suddenly there on the side of the road, on the footpath, there is no driveway, there is nothing, is what looks like a very large kind of a lounge bar with a nice cut stone finish. And um, we kind of said, right. And it just, you know, because I suppose we had seen so much of his cooking and see, we just had a different picture in our head. But um, parked up the car and went in. And I remember we met this tiny little beautiful blonde lady who I'd say was only about maybe 22 or 23 and about a size four. And we got this very big welcome. We were handed our key and she said, I'm bringing your suitcases up the stairs. And I was there thinking, this is why she's so tiny. And we nearly had to fight with her to be allowed to bring our own bags. Um, we stayed in a lovely room. Everything was very white and kind of done in a very French style. And when you go in, there's a lovely cupboard that has jars of homemade cookies and madeleines and all your tea and coffee making facilities and bottles of water. And ex exceptionally warm and welcoming now is all I can say. And then when you go downstairs for dinner, you go into the bar first and you have whatever your glass of wine or your your whatever you fancy having as your, your pre-dinner drink. And remember we had little beetroot meringues were um, our little amuse-bouche. And um, you're under no pressure. You're booked in for the night. Like So if you want to have, you know, two glasses or one glass or whatever you're not being forced to kind of move on to get your, the, you know, your table is there. You're not, there, there's no time constraints on it. And then um, he has a, a lovely dining room. It's certainly not huge by any manner of means. I suppose there's about maybe, like thinking back on it, maybe 30 tables or so. Everything is very elegant. It's all bleak tableware and he's very big into sporting all the producers that are around him and that's very evident from the menu. And lots of all the paintings and everything are, that are on the wall and it's not, it's, I say, very unfussy but um, all of the local area and even though it's not a very big dining room it's kind of divided into sections so you have a bit of privacy. You're not kind of staring, nobody's staring around at everybody else. It's just very nice panelling and and um, you know, vases of flowers strategically placed. And we had the fabulous seven-course tasting menu the first evening, which I really thought I was going to explode after because um, your portions are... They're not huge, but they're 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 very perfectly proportioned. But by the time you've gotten through, it says and it says seven courses, but I think there was an extra sorbet and there was a pre-dessert dessert, which I had never heard of. But it was fabulous, a little tiny bowl of or a little bowl, a little ramekin, teeny tiny thing of um, a mousse that had popping candy in it, and you know it, all these lovely fun bits of it. And then you could go back to the bar, you could toddle back to your room, whatever you wanted to do again. And 
Um, at no stage were we asked for our room numbers or credit cards or anything like that or to sign a bill it was like you were in this magical place for the two days that we were there and we never produced we were like the queen we never had any money or were asked for any money and then breakfast the next morning was gorgeous a huge um, buffet table with again loads of smoothies loads of different breads we had the McNeen signature porridge with the Irish mist and again I think we spent nearly two and a half hours over breakfast just relaxing and chilling out or the second night for dinner we went a la carte it was just delicious um, and you know everything it's just beautifully presented and there's nothing mean about the portions and you can ask for anything extra that you wish and um, there's a, a great buzz in the atmosphere and everybody that's there is just genuinely delighted to be there and the other lovely thing I remember which um, on the Saturday night we went down to the bar and we were having an after dinner drink and I think we were waiting for about maybe no more than five minutes and um, we handed in our order and your man behind the bar just said no you've been waiting there now for a couple of minutes that's on the house which I thought was just I was thinking I've been waiting I've been waiting for cups of tea in places far longer than this with less of a crowd and I haven't gotten it on the house and then the next morning when we went on the Sunday morning we went down to sort out the bill and everything was there and laid out and perfect because we had, you would be keeping track of it in your head but it was so nice not to have to be rooting for money or all you had to do really was have enough money for your tip but we would love to go back there again if we could just have a helicopter service up to there or because we are thinking about doing this next year not going away if you could combine it into your week's holiday around Ireland we'll have to we will be doing our best to get back up there again was it very expensive or was it great value for money I thought it was very good value for money um, I think we, we had a bottle of Prosecco the first night because it was a special occasion. And I think that might have been around 30 euros, which again is very, that's a normal price you pay when you're out. When when we broke it down into, say, two nights dinner, bed and breakfast and and evening meals or whatever, the, the you know, two B&B, two dinner, um, it came out at what you'd pay in a regular, ordinary four-star hotel but we definitely felt we got a much higher level of attention and um oh I forgot Nevin wasn't there the weekend we were there but we met um Amelda um lots of times walking around just checking to make sure everybody was okay was everybody having a nice time that's Nevin's wife yes no, just the end of and she was just, they were that. just after announcing that they were um expecting the twins and she was so excited and it was just it was a very very warm hospitable um expedition so you definitely would recommend it. highly recommend it especially if you have an occasion that you want to do something different for um highly highly recommend it well that certainly is a glowing report right. of it and i hope nevin is listening <laughs> i have siobhan's details <laughs> nevin if you need them and you're going to hang on to the book and what I can i expect now the next time i'm around um, the, the butter next time, and milk chicken. Yeah, I think I, I made. I was figuring it out. We might have a watermelon and feta salad with toasted pumpkin seeds to start, followed by the crispy buttermilk chicken with a celeriac coleslaw, and peanut butter cupcakes with a salted caramel frosting. And I don't like cupcakes, but I just think peanut butter with salted caramel sounds just <laughs> fantastic. Um, so hopefully, in the next week or two, we might have a. A lash at all of those. Well, Siobhan, thanks so much for reviewing the book. It's The Nation's Favourite Food Fast by Nevin Maguire. Perfect Christmas gift, I'd say, for Lovely. a lot of people. And of course, for telling us all about your time in McNean House. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we had a glowing review by Siobhan Noonan of Nevin Maguire's latest cookbook, The Nation's Favourite Food Fast, as well as a very in-depth and interesting report from her visit to McNean House a few years ago. Definitely one for the to-visit list to taste food by one of Ireland's top chefs. And talking of chefs, my next guest, Helen McDade of Fulch Ireland, is on the phone and instead of talking events this month, she's going to tell us all about the Eurotop 
Talk Young Chef of the Year 2014 competition. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Helen McDade from Vulture Ireland is on the phone now. Welcome to the programme, Helen. You have two events for us that you're going to talk very briefly about and then you're going to tell us all about lots of different events that are taking place as part of the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year. Yes, yes, yes. Now, a lot of the food festivals have, um, there's a lot less at this time of year, but there's two I want to talk about. One is actually early in November. It is the 8th, 9th of November and it's the Wild and Slow in Wicklow. And this is a really, I think this is probably one of the most unique food festivals in the year. And it's all about wild food. It's all about foraged food. Um, and they have workshops that go on every day. I mean, you could do a workshop all about furred game, if that's what you like. Um, there's one called Black and Blue and Red all over that's matching game with wines. You could go out photo stalking in the National Park. And then there's a photo competition there's a blackberries and beyond where they kind of take you out and and you go and and forage through the the verges and the hedge grows and it's just a really great event it's held brook lodge in county wicklow and they kind of do a like a winter market around there as well so it's just a lovely ambience and it's a winter weekend and there's lots of twinkly lights and all the little stalls and everybody drinking mulled wine and it's just a lovely, lovely event. And sounds very different to the usual food really events. Really different, yeah. And the actual, the highlight of the of the weekend is they actually do a wild and slow dinner on the Saturday evening. And these dinners, like, I mean, they're literally all of the foods that they have foraged and pre- uh, preserved throughout the year. So say, for example, last year, they had a, um, a they had a harvest, or they had foraged the wild garlic in March. And then they were using that for the pesto to serve for their breads. Like they had harvested morels in May. And then they were they had saving those to, to serve with hair for dinner. So it's literally this dinner is a year in the making with all of the all of the different food stuff. So it's, it's a really unique one. That sounds fabulous. But if you're not in that area, if you're further up the country in if Donegal, you have something the country, on there. I do. This is on Sunday, the 30th of November. It's called, and I know your, your listeners will probably give out, but it's called A Little Taste of Christmas. I'm afraid we can't get away from it at this point. Um, and that is in Donegal Town. And they have lots of, of stalls and it's cosmetics and jewellery and food and demonstrations. And then the uh, Christmas lights are switched on at seven o'clock that evening. So then the season is well and truly in place. OK, so we, not, we won't say any more about that. No, I think that's enough. <laughs> I debated whether or not to mention it, but I figured it has to be done. <laughs> but you're going to tell us lots about this Young Chef of the Year competition. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, uh, Sharon. It's Eurotalk, which is uh, it's a European community of chefs and cooks, but they were actually, it was Myrtle Allen kind of set it up here, I think it was about the mid-70s. And really, all of these chefs, their philosophy is about protecting food traditions and food heritage. And they very much promote the use of local food and champion local producers, and that, that's very much kind of their ethos. And they do a Young Chef competition every year. Now, they've been doing it for years. It's a really well-established competition. But we got involved with them about three years ago. And the reason we kind of got involved, it it was really to, I guess, really kind of raise the profile of the event. And and from our perspective, if you really want to kind of build your reputation internationally, you need to kind of have a good reputation for your cuisine as well as your produce. So we're really looking at these. These are the next new wave of, of kind of, the chefs coming through and these guys are incredibly talented they have to be under 26 up to the end of the competition which is at the end of november this year um and it's a national competition open um all throughout the country so there's a few different things they have to do they've they've already kind of put in their initial application they have to submit a recipe there is an interview stage where the the all of the applicants are um reduced to 12 for the interview stage. So all of those interviews have now been taken place and the final five will be announced tomorrow at a special event that's going to be held in the Marker Hotel here in Dublin. And the theme this year for the competition was uh, No Chef is an Island. And it's up to each of the, the applicants then how they interpret that. And it was really interesting because I was on the, the panel of the interview and, and it was really interesting hearing 
all of their different interpretations and how important it is that they kind of learn not only from the people around them but their their producers and the impact their families have had and their team members and it's just really interesting how that all kind of came together so tomorrow taking the theme on board they will have a challenge in that the five finalists will be giving a larder so they have their pick of all these ingredients but then they have to work as a team and put together the food for the event that evening and it's going to be held up in the um, rooftop bar in the Marker Hotel. So it'll be kind of like a casual event about five to half seven. So that should be really interesting. But your listeners should definitely keep an eye out to anybody. Any of the Twitter users there should um, follow the hashtag YoungChef2014. Or Eurotalk also have a Facebook page and they have their website. And while it's probably too late for the event tomorrow... The, the last, the final event for the Young Chefs, they have this tomorrow is really the Meet the Press event. Then on the 23rd of November is the final cook-off where they have to prepare their dishes and they present them to a panel of judges, which some of the top chefs, chefs in Ireland. <coughs> Excuse me. And actually also the guest judge this year is Phil Howard, who is the chef and the owner from The Square in London. It's a two Michelin star restaurant. And he's also, for the real foodies that are out there, he's also a co-owner of the Ledbury and Kitchen W8 in London. So he's like extremely well-known and very highly regarded. So he'll actually be one of the judges on that day as well. So they'll have the cook-off that morning. And then that evening, there is a pop-up event. And this is where it'll be interesting for your listeners. Um, and they'll be doing some tweet seats for that event. Now, this is truly one of those events that money cannot buy tickets. You, you don't it's an invite only event um, and it'll actually they're doing a pop-up restaurant in a venue in Cable Street which is also in Dublin and the whole theme is around a market party so we very much kind of wanted to keep it quite casual and the thinking behind that is I mean food doesn't have to be complicated to be good and and the people are moving not moving away from more formal dining but people enjoy more casual dining sharing tapas smaller bites and and more social um, environment so if your listeners follow the hashtag young chef 2014 and they respond they could be in with a chance to get some tickets to go to that event which would be a very special evening at this stage have they cooked for you yet or is it all it's no okay they haven't they have they've um they had to do a social media entry and that was interesting some of them did videos some of them did a blog some of them did like photographs not on instagram um as part of the interviews they had to bring with them an image that they felt reflected the theme that no island is a chef which which was interesting and they also submitted a recipe and all of the um the methodology so like they were questioned quite closely like kind of on their recipe and how it was all and like their skills levels were very much assessed but now the meet the press event that's the first day we'll actually get to see them all cook and then the final cook off day on the 23rd of november in the morning that's the actual judged event and then the the um, consumer event that evening and the young chefs themselves, are they all in employment at the moment or would you have anybody that's maybe just dying to have a career in the industry that hasn't got a break in a kitchen but seems to have a very good aptitude and talent for cooking? It, it's very much aimed at like kind of young professional chefs, but there are some of the people who are in college and are working part-time. There are some of the, final, or some of the finalists who, will be, um, who are working full-time. Um, so, so it really depends, but th- they would need to have access to a professional kitchen to participate because particularly as it gets to the cook-offs, they would need to practice their dish um, and do a lot of the prep for the final cook-off. So it, it really is, it's a kind of a professional, more so than an amateur competition. With very high standards, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, they're phenomenal. I mean, if, if you go onto the Eurotalks um, uh, webpage and even look at some of the videos, from last year I mean last year the judge was um, Elena Arzak um, she's, she was voted the best female chef in the world I think last year her and her father run the Michelin star restaurant in, in Spain so like there's a really high standard of cooking I mean the, I, I have no worries about the, the future of Irish cuisine whenever I look at these young chefs cook put it that way 
And Gronya from Lupiche, she was a finalist last year. She was. And yeah. uh, it was won by a young fella, Mark, from the Greenhouse, I it believe. It was actually, yeah, Mark Moriarty from the Greenhouse. And, uh, yeah, Gronya was a finalist too. And, I mean, like, the competition was so high. Even the Galena Arzak was, like, so impressed with the level of cooking um, that these guys did. But, yeah, Mark from the Greenhouse um, won it. And then he has actually been... We had sent him to, um, he was in France over St. Patrick's Day earlier this year. There was a, a restaurant there that was, um, Seamus Sheridan was involved in it, and then the McAvoy from Galway, where they took over a French restaurant for um, Paddy's Weekend. And they basically served French, or sorry, served Irish food cooked by Irish chefs to French um, the French people. And to on Paddy's Day, they had a whole room of French media. Wow. Yeah, so that went really well. So Mark went over to that. And then we had sent him over. There was a Boston, actually. So we were able to yeah, kind of have him go over there and do a couple of demonstrations over there, too. Was that at iFest? Yes. So, yeah, so, I mean, like, part of this and the reason for our involvement is really kind of to get that message out there because internationally we have a great reputation for produce, but we don't necessarily have a great reputation for what we do with it. And it must be a great boost for the young chef for their career. I mean, like the likes of Devin Maguire was a past winner. Wade Murphy from 1826 Nadir, past winner. Who was a judge with you this year, I believe? Judge, yeah, yeah. He's the commissioner of Eurotork at the minute. And Gerard Lynch, um, who's his place up in Cavan, he's a past winner. So it really does kind of set them in, in great stead. So, yeah, it's a, very, it's a very exciting competition. But say if anybody be interested, if they happen to be up in Dublin or they think they're going to be up in Dublin or they get a tweet seat, it's well worth making the trip up to Dublin um, on November 23rd. But just... Keep an eye and see, because these these are the young chefs that you're going to see their names coming up again and again and again. And they'll be starting to open their own restaurants and their own businesses. And yeah, it's very exciting. Well, it's very interesting that you said earlier about the entry process involved social media. And some of them did videos because you're going to be on the show again in a couple of weeks time. And you're going to be talking about the Fulcher Ireland Food Story Initiative. Yes, yeah, that's uh, that's an initiative in a way. Is, is what as I said earlier, like, kind of we need to change the the message out there and let people know really what's happening with Irish food, and this Irish Food Story Initiative is a way to do that. Well, we will talk to you about that in a couple of weeks. Until then, thanks so much, Helen, for talking to me tonight, and um, enjoy the rest of the week. Cheers, chin chin. Salut, Schleite. Thanks again to Helen for talking to us this evening and to my other guests, Karen Coakley, Joe Carey and Siobhan Noonan. And of course, to you for tuning in. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe even an older one. Next week, Rachel Keeley returns with her restaurant reviews and I will be talking to Anne Cooney from Temple Street Children's University Hospital about the recently announced two-year partnership with Tesco. That's worth a serious amount of money to the, the hospital. The bank holiday may have been yesterday, but Halloween is still to come, so enjoy bobbing for apples and trick-or-treating. And when it comes to all of those Halloween goodies, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!